Now, there's been some strong opposition in response to Parliament being suspended for a week due to COVID-19 restrictions. Select committees will still go ahead online, but that's drawing criticism from the opposite side of the House, as most committees are led by Labour MPs. There have also been calls for the Epidemic Response Committee to be reinstated in order to ensure the government is being held to account. With your thoughts, I'm joined by National Party leader Judith Collins. Good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Kerry. Happy level four lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) It feels very much like deja vu, doesn't it? It rather does. Now, the Prime Minister suspended Parliament on the advice of the Director-General of Health. Are you saying you would have ignored that advice? I've made it very clear to Jacinda Ardern yesterday that the right thing to do would be to uh, uh, make sure Parliament is sitting again next week, that that would give this week and last week and the week before for Parliament to sort out how to uh, operate like other parliaments around the world are. And it is really important that we have the scrutiny of Parliament, but also that people get the answers to questions that they need. So I've made that very clear. I've thought a week to sort yourself out, and then if you can't do that, we have to have Parliament back. There are other ways of doing it other than all the MPs turning up physically. Mm. Uh, We can see it in Australia that they're using now um, essentially um, Zoom or some video conferencing, as well as a few uh, MPs being actually in the Parliament building itself. So the Epidemic Response Committee, that did some good work in the last year during the Level 4 lockdown. Is that what you'd like to see, or do you actually want to see a, a form of Parliament resume? Well, ultimately, Parliament should resume, and it should be able to be done with the due care to health and safety, particularly for our staff. Um, But the other point is, if not that, then at least the Epidemic Response Committee, which can easily be done by uh, Zoom or uh, Teams or whatever other video um, mechanisms we have. And the government has refused that. That would be led by me. They have refused to allow that to happen. Instead, They've said that the Health Select Committee, which they control, uh, they have the majority on and they have the chair who has shut down almost all attempts by national uh, and other MPs to be able to have any accountability from the government. They have uh, also allowed the uh, Finance Expenditure Committee and a couple of other committees, but they are not uh, committees to which the Prime Minister will be fronting. And I've made that very clear to her. If you're going to have committees, then let us run them, or secondly, and even front up to them, that none of those alternatives are acceptable. We are a liberal democracy that requires scrutiny of Parliament, and we understand that the government now wants to bring back Parliament for a few, uh, for an hour or so, so that they can get themselves, uh, vote themselves extra money to spend but they don't want to have Parliament back for scrutiny. And that is simply unacceptable. What sort of questions do you want to put to the government and, and the Prime Minister? Some of those questions, Kerry, are questions that people are asking me, such as why is it that New Zealand is so far behind in vaccinations? What is the level of vaccination that the Prime Minister believes is acceptable before we all get shut into a level four lockdown. These are the sorts of questions. The fact that the I previously asked the Prime Minister a few weeks ago in Parliament, and bear in mind we have Trevor Mallard as the Speaker, uh, 
a question about why it was that we weren't, they didn't raise a, a, basically an order for the vaccine until the 29th of January this year. And her answer was she didn't understand what raising an order was. So that is simply the sort of things that we need to really, really knuckle down into and find out what has been going on as the government and the Ministry of Health has been congratulating itself on its ability to get New Zealanders to lock down. They should have been actually just getting the vaccine out. I'd also like to know about their plans to uh, deal with people who feel that they're worried about the vaccine and they're not sure why they would want to have it. These sorts of things are issues that I believe need to be answered. What would you have done differently? Well, for a start, Kerry, we would have ordered the vaccine. We think that's really important. So in September last year, our New Zealanders were promised by the government that we would be front of the queue for the vaccine. Even though they signed a contract uh, to be on the vaccine uh, list with Pfizer and others, they didn't actually start to order it until the 29th of January this year. So we would have ordered it earlier, as other countries did. We would also have... Uh, investigated whether or not if we paid some extra money, we became a priority in terms of vaccination. All the reports that we have received is that it would have cost approximately 40 to $50 million mm-hmm. to be prioritised. That is a very small amount of money when you consider that at the government's own estimations, it's costing New Zealanders and New Zealand uh, as a country, $1.5 billion a week uh, for these level four lockdowns. So when you consider it, it's very small considering the costs that New Zealanders have now had to pay. The other thing too, Kerry, is most of us get our vaccinations from our pharmacists and GPs. Mm. They should have been prioritised as the people to give out the vaccinations because we trust Mm. them. We know Mm. them, they know us, we trust them, and they should have been. Instead, we were told that the vaccine couldn't exist outside of a minus 70 Celsius refrigerator. Well, it's quite clearly not true. Um, and they do, it obviously does exist for five days at least in a refrigerator, an ordinary refrigerator. So the, instead of setting up an entire new system full of you know, basically mass bands that you go to, to go and be vaccinated with all these other people. They could have done that. They could have also considered whether or not um, and brought in the testing regimes that the their own report from uh, Heather Simpson and Brian Roach mm-hmm. gave them, which was around saliva testing. Yeah. That was recommended in September last year. Mm. That would mean, Kerry, that if you or I felt that we might come in contact with someone with COVID, we could pop down to the pharmacy, get ourselves one of these kits, test it ourselves, and we could test it the next day and the next day to make sure that we had a good spread of that. And then decide whether or not we really need to go to one of the big testing stations. So that could have made it a lot easier. Um, So these are some of the things that we would have done. And these are things that we were talking about last year and this year, Mm. and the government simply hasn't followed up. I've now heard that um, pharmacists are now apparently going to um, be able to give some of these vaccinations. Well, yes, good, good move. Um, We recommended it early this year. And the Ministry of Health, which I believe has actually deified itself into some sort of organisation that can't be questioned, uh, they have been found wanting and their minister has been found wanting. Mm, I agree. Those are some of the things we would do. Okay. Is there an acceptable death rate? Would you think, okay, 
we're going to open up even though 80% of the population is vaccinated. We accept that there are going to be deaths. The modelling says so. We'll accept it up to the level of the flu. Well, do you know, Kerry, I think that nobody wants to accept any death rates. Do well, we, we? Have we don't to. want to accept. But, but the fact is, as you say, is that in a normal situation, normal year, when people are operating normally, um, up to 500 people a year die mm. from the winter flu and complications from it. Um, I don't want to go around saying that some, it's okay to have death rates, but I understand that if, if um, we have a very heavily, pop, if we have a very highly vaccinated population, uh, that even though it is still possible to transmit and to receive COVID-19 with a vaccine, the chances of that happening are extremely low. And even if you do get it, what evidence so far shows that you're going to get possibly a cold or those sorts of symptoms rather than a full-blown ICU um, incubator uh, you know, um, type system. So mm. you're, you're going to end up in a totally different position. So... I think what we do need to have, rather than even talking about death rates, we need to get the vaccination rates up. Now, we popped out a, I put out a press release this week saying perhaps something around the 70 to 75% mark would be acceptable to avoid lockdowns mm-hmm. um, of this nature. We're not even talking level two, we're talking level four lockdowns here. And that seems to be what most countries, comparable countries, are deciding that that is the rate. We've got a Singapore at 75, the Australians are talking 70 to 80, uh, the UK at 60. The fact is, is that we cannot continue down a path of constant uh, lockdowns, just shutting down people, shutting down businesses, shutting down um, any normal activity, shutting down people having funerals, shutting down people going and being with their loved ones as they're dying of um, complications from cancer or something. It's just simply unacceptable to continue down this path when we have an option, and that option is to get the vast majority of our population vaccinated, get people vaccinated, then we can start talking about what people might expect. But... The excuse given is that our public health system would be overwhelmed. We do not have the capacity of the other countries you mentioned to care for people in ICU, and that's not going to change anytime soon, given we have even less staff than we had before 18 months ago because of our locked borders. Yes, well, it's a, that's the problem, isn't it? We go in locked borders, uh, we lose staff, and we don't bring them in. So the whole system around managed isolation quarantine is wrong. Um now, so if you think about that, though, if you get a very highly vaccinated population and somebody gets um, COVID-19 and they're vaccinated, their chances of ending up in ICU or needing any of that assistance is extremely remote. Uh, you could also say we didn't have the winter flu to the extent that we normally do last year. We had very few uh, deaths from winter flu, very little spread of it and still we seem incapable of coping. Uh, so there is something very difficultly wrong in the way in which the priorities have been around um, issues like ICU, but also around prioritising what we should do. So if you think about um, the fact that we now have thousands of people uh, queuing up to be tested when they could have had the saliva testing, if you think about people who are thousands of people waiting to get immunisations when this prioritisation and focus on immunisations should have been earlier this year, we have 
now got something approaching a perfect storm. We have the variants of COVID-19 now moved to Delta. If the government couldn't see that Delta was in Australia and it was around the world and every other country was having to deal with it by way of vaccination and they couldn't actually put that as a priority, then they have massively failed. And my advice to everyone is get vaccinated, get vaccinated and get double vaccinated. Well, yes, be chance be a fine thing given the, the crush on the um, vaccination centres. But you're right, you've got the GPs and the pharmacies who can open up. Judith Collins, National Party Leader, thank you very much. Love to get your reaction to that as well. Uh, 0800 80 